subtitle is made possible in part by a major grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, Exploring the Human Endeavor. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective. A note about today's episode. There's going to be some explicit and potentially offensive topics discussed. The explicit stuff begins in a few seconds. They say I was punching down on them. Punching down. The fuck does that mean? I know who that is. It's Dave Chappelle. That's right, Patrick. Comedian Dave Chappelle talking about um, this expression that has been bubbling up lately in conversations about comedy. I'm sure you've heard it. Punching down. Oh, Nina, I have so many questions about this. Punching up, punching down. Punching inwards, punching outwards, punching sideways. So many ways to punch. From Quiet Juice and the Linguistic Society of America, this is Subtitle. Stories about languages and the people who speak them. In this episode... Is what we're saying punching up? Are we speaking truth to power? And comedy never punches down, it only punches up. I've read that from 50 people that never did comedy. I think it's just quite lazy humor to punch down. What exactly is punching up and punching down? Is it a thing of our times? And how did it enter the comedy world? Nina, you're back so soon. I'm back, for better or worse, with another unfunny take on the language of humor. Fun times. Nina Porzuki, I do want to say your last name, Nina. Nina is a friend of the podcast. I'd say a BFF. Aw. So all of these punching terms, they're a bit violent for comedy, aren't they? And punchline isn't, or nailed the joke, or I bombed, or I killed it. There's so many violent terms, Patrick, when it comes to comedy. Okay, okay, okay. But how is punching up and down actually defined? I knew you'd ask this, so I asked. Well, as people use the term these days... Ben Zimmer is the language columnist for the Wall Street Journal and chair of the New Words Committee for the American Dialect Society. He's also, I would say a friend of the pod. Punching up and punching down refers to how one might attack or criticize someone else depending on a kind of a power relationship. So that punching down is attacking someone in a less powerful position and punching up is attacking someone in a position of greater power. It's a very jargony insider term, a comics term for other comics. But lately, I've been seeing it slip more and more into the mainstream conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. I know, totally. And a tipping point in my mind was back in October of last year when comedian Dave Chappelle made some headlines. Dave Chappelle, the legendary comedian, is back with an all-new stand-up that's headed to Netflix. The Closer, Chappelle's... The Closer on Netflix sparked a huge debate that played out in the media about Dave Chappelle's jokes about trans people and the LGBTQ community at large. Since Chappelle's special has aired, he has received a ton of backlash over his comments. Some say Chappelle went too far, specifically with jokes that could be construed as homophobic and transphobic. He joked about trans women, about uh, genitalia. He said he was a turf, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Basically, he was accused of punching down, which, as we heard at the top of the show, 
He pokes fun at the expression. And I don't know, Patrick, if you remember the swirl of controversy at this time. There were protests by Netflix employees about the offensive material, and then there were people calling out cancel culture. But the discussion around punching down and up in comedy far, far predates this expression, punching up and punching down. I mean, Greek philosophers even debated this idea. There's a theory of humor called the superiority theory that dates back to Plato and Aristotle and then later Hobbes. And Aristotle posited that we laugh at those we find inferior because we find joy in our own superiority. Wow. I mean, that that sounds like old Aristotle had a, a serious case of punching down. Well, he actually really disapproved of this type of humor. He, f- he found it quite distasteful, like Plato and Aristotle found this very distasteful. But they're just theorizing, like, why people laugh. Like, why are people laughing when you are, like, putting down somebody that is in the less powerful position than you? And it's because it's this almost schadenfreude of, like, feeling better than someone else. You can certainly see that in more recent history, like here in the United States in the past couple of centuries. There's, I mean, I'm no expert on this, but I know that there's been a ton of punching down comedy, whether it was blackface minstrel shows or vaudeville that targeted, you know, one set of immigrants after another, Irish, Italian, Polish, Chinese, you name it. And then after that, there would be like a backlash and people who would cry foul and say whatever people said back in those days for you're canceling this kind of comedy. You can't even make a joke about the Irish or the Chinese or whatever it was. Like comedy is dead. Right. I mean, that's the rallying cry. Comedy is dead. You know, it's the end of comedy. Yeah, it's not an old statement and punching up and punching down are not new ideas. And actually, Patrick, I want to just point that there are some really, really good podcasts and articles that explore this idea, including one really great episode of WTF with Mark Marin and this comedy historian named Cliff Nesteroff. And then there's a great article about punching up and punching down in American comedy history um, in The Baffler. And we'll, we'll link to all those articles in the show notes. But getting back to Chappelle, I point to the Chappelle incident because all of a sudden, when this happened, I was seeing the expression punch up and punch down in headlines everywhere from online sites like BuzzFeed, not wholly surprising, but even more mainstream publications like USA Today was using this phrase. And I thought, huh, is this phrase gone from sort of insider jargon to the mainstream? And yeah, when people are using this, I wonder if, if they know where punching up and punching down came from. I, I don't. It was my question exactly. So let's get back to Ben. Yeah, with expressions like this, we can't say definitively, you know, where it might have originated from. But we can look at the sort of patterns of usage uh, just by looking at databases of historical sources like newspapers. And in newspaper databases, for instance, you'll find the expressions punching up and punching down used literally for uh, many decades in the context of boxing. If you're punching up, you're taking on an opponent who might be taller or perhaps in a higher weight class, while punching down would be for an opponent who's shorter or in a lower weight class. Oh, right, of course. Why did I think of that? Now, I got to say, I don't love boxing, but I really do like boxing vocab, like below the belt or saved by the bell. Throw in the towel. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty linguistically rich sport. Out for the count. Pull your punches. He's on the ropes. (laughs) (laughs) The gloves are off. It's a knockout. (laughs) 
it's the sports pages where you get the boxing commentators or the racing commentators using kind of a, a freer use of language than you might find elsewhere in the newspaper, where you often see these new expressions bubbling up. So it's very, very possible that this expression is another colorful contribution from the sport of boxing. However, I will say that another expert I spoke with pointed out that punching down is also a phrase that's used by bakers, punching down the dough. Think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose bakers do punch. They, they do. Maybe that's part of the job satisfaction. <laughs> maybe. I mean, like, but wait a minute. How does a baker punch up? Throw it in the air? Throw it in the air. Punch. I mean, isn't like pizza dough just like punching up? I don't know. As these expressions go, Ben said it's, it's really pretty hard to nail down exactly where and when something is born. But if it does come from boxing, the question is, when does it make the leap from like literally punching someone to punching someone in a metaphorical sense? And you'll like this, Patrick. In his sleuthing, with a little help from other word nerds, Ben found that the first jump from literal to figurative is in an account of a football incident. I mean, uh, in American English parlance, a soccer incident. There's one usage in the newspaper databases from 2002, which is actually from the Times of London, that was talking about a situation involving a footballer named Roy Keane, who was struck in the face by his manager, Brian Clough. Oh, yeah, I know those guys. They're, they're kind of legendary figures. Brian Clough, he was a sort of genius coach who got into a ton of trouble for like really volatile behavior. And then Roy Keane, who's now a pundit on British TV, he was a super tough guy on and off the field. But he's Irish, so he's also a great raconteur. Yeah, we'll listen to him talking about Brian Clough. He was upset, he was heated, and he punched me. But I remember thinking, oh, I still think you're a brilliant manager. And I came. <laughs> the manager's upset. You take it, you take it. And this was a, a big incident at the time. And so this footballer di didn't strike back at Clough. And the Times of London, a writer in that paper, wrote, it is the logic of the playground bully that allows a manager to strike a player. He punches down, not up. So what's interesting there is it's kind of halfway from the literal meaning to the metaphorical meaning. We're still talking about actual punching, actual striking of a person. But the up and down has already uh, moved away from just simply one person being taller, one person being shorter, or perhaps, again, weight classes being involved in boxing. And we are actually talking about a kind of a power differential. The expression makes the full leap into the realm of metaphor just a few years later. The earliest that I've been able to find comes from Keith Olbermann in 2006. The TV broadcaster? Exactly. At the time, Keith Olbermann uh, hosted his own show on MSNBC, um, and he enjoyed going after Bill O'Reilly, then a host at Fox News. And Bill O'Reilly had a much larger audience, and Keith Olbermann delighted in sort of taking pot shots and, uh, and sort of exposing hypocrisy and that sort of thing uh, from Bill O'Reilly's show. Bill O, 267,000 of your nightly viewers have vanished since last June. Call Fox security. They're missing. And so in 2006, he was asked about that by the New York Times. And he pointed out that 
his ratings were very, very small compared to Bill O'Reilly's. And he said, you don't punch down if you're in my position, you punch upwards. And that's an expression he continued to use in other interviews. Like this clip from an NPR interview. You punch upwards, not down. If I'm Bill O'Reilly and Keith Olbermann attacks me or criticizes me or analyzes what I'm saying, my reaction is, who? His reaction is, kaboom! And I have just been the beneficiary of that. And, you know, Keith Olbermann did come from the world of sports before he was at MSNBC. He was an anchor for ESPN. So it's possible that Keith Olbermann, in his mind, was taking this sports-related expression and applying it to the world of political commentary. Ah, so maybe it did come from boxing. Alas, I reached out to Keith Overman for comment and to confirm, but sadly he ignored my requests. I feel like, Patrick, there's a joke to be made here about me punching up at him and his ratings and him and his <laughs> superiority <laughs> not, not getting back to me. I don't know what the joke is, but there's something there. You didn't land the punch. Yeah, I didn't land that punch. Or maybe you did land it and knocked him out cold. <laughs> Uh, doubtful. But at this stage, right, that we're talking about now, there is actually no sign yet, is this right, of the term punching up or punching down migrating to the comedy world? Not, I mean, not that we know of. The earliest evidence that Ben found comes actually several years later. And I found, interestingly, two examples that came from late 2010. And at the time, there was some controversy over the stand-up act of a British comedian named Frankie Boyle who told some controversial jokes and was getting some backlash uh, about those jokes. Oh, right. Frankie Boyle. Yeah, he's kind of ethically lost the plot a few times. And two of his fellow comedians, also British, named Richard Herring and Paul Sinha, both chimed in on this in blog posts. So on the same day, December 23rd, 2010, Richard Herring and Paul Sinha both put up blog posts. Richard Herring wrote, Though there are no rules, comedy, I feel, should be siding with the weak and the oppressed and punching either inwards at the comedian him or herself or upwards at the powerful or the oppressors. Punching downwards is just bullying. Uh, meanwhile, Paul Sina on the same day posted about Frankie Boyle saying he's finally punching up and not punching down, and I, for one, am not in the least bit offended. So you can see that there was something in the air at the time, and particularly as it related to stand-up comics and, and whether jokes should be made at the expense of people who are, as Richard Herring put it, weak or oppressed. And that Richard Herring, as he explained in a later interview, he says, for me, if I'm doing a joke, I'd want to be on the side of the weak punching the strong rather than the strong bullying the weak. And he goes on to say, there's plenty of ways you can be offensive without punching downwards. You know, I, obviously quite a long time ago, and I can't really remember, I would be amazed if either me or Paul had come up with the term. This is comedian Richard Herring. But I sort of have a vague memory of seeing it a lot more after that post and thinking, wasn't that what I said? Didn't I say that? And also I say po punching upwards and punching inwards and punching downwards in, in the blog. I just checked it. So it, it, obviously I wasn't quoting this established idea of punching up, punching down, the sort of short version of it. Nina, you did get a comedian to talk about this. And you, you got the guy, the guy who coined the term. 
Yes, I did. But not so fast on to whether this particular mystery is solved. Uh Uh-oh, I'm sensing a that's coming up after the break moment. That's coming up after the break. Thanks to everyone who's rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts and elsewhere. If you haven't yet rated or reviewed us, please consider doing it. We like to spread the word and reviews help with that. And while you're at it, you could subscribe to our newsletter. It comes out fortnightly. You'll read about language-related stories in the news. Plus, you'll get sneak peeks of upcoming episodes. Like, I'm just back from South Louisiana, where I talked with French speakers. Very entertaining, they were, too. To get the newsletter, go to subtitlepod.com slash newsletter. That's subtitlepod.com slash newsletter. Did I mention it's free and funny? Okay, not that funny, but free, 100% free. Nina, I I just want to establish something for the record, (laughs) as if subtitle is any kind of record. But we talked about the history in ancient Greece and, and other times, mainly a punching down. And I wanted to just mention that there were people in the past who punched up, you know, quite a few people. For example, I know from acting in bad college play productions, I know that the Greek playwright Aristophanes, who who was genuinely funny, he mainly punched up. He satirized the rich and the powerful and the pompous. So did Shakespeare. Yeah. I mean, so many people like comedy is full of punching up, punching down, punching sideways and not punching at all. So, yeah, totally. Punching up is part of comedy as much as punching down is throughout the centuries. But the expression punching up, to mean that, saying those words, punching up, is modern. Not that Richard Herring sounds especially convinced that he was the one to coin it. As I say, you know, there's a part of me that thinks I've made it up, but I don't. There's a <laughs> the, the realistic part of me thinks I did that I didn't. I think it was just something in in that we were talking about around that time amongst comedians, but I wouldn't know who originated or, or who first said it uh, unless it was me. <laughs> Richard's blog post from 2010 about the British comedian Frankie Boyle is one of the first written references of the metaphor punching upwards and downwards in comedy. Okay, you mentioned Frankie Boyle again there. Uh, There have been so many Frankie Boyle controversies. Which one was this one? Uh, This one had to do with a joke that Boyle made about the disabled son of a page three girl uh, who went by the stage name Jordan. Okay, page three was introduced by the Sun tabloid newspaper, and uh, they would have like the news or some kind of news on page one, and then you opened it, and on page three, there would be a topless model. They don't have that anymore, but they had it for uh, many, many years. Yeah, I'm glad that tradition has gone out of fashion. But there have been other jokes that Boyle was making at the time that made Herring particularly queasy. Uh, Many pot shots at disabled people and disability. Richard Herring was a spokesperson at the time for a nonprofit advocating disability rights. The one I remember was him saying, uh, my uncle, he's so funny, he can make anything funny. He can make reading the phone book out funny. He's a spastic. Oh, yeah, that is punching down. I feel like I need to explain another little UKism here. The word spastic, which I remember in my childhood, spastic was this just really nasty slur that kids would use. And to be honest, I I feel 
pretty uncomfortable even saying that word now. Yeah, I, I feel like the American equivalent is retard or retarded, which also feels pretty uncomfortable to say. So the joke is presumably, you know, disabled people talk in an, in an unusual way. But, you know, that, that's not as clever a joke as I would think Frankie's used to. It's just an abusive joke saying disabled people talk in a funny way. Incidentally, Boyle didn't take Herring's criticism so well. They don't speak anymore. But Herring is very clear that despite his critical blog post at the time, he does think that Boyle is a good comic. Frankie Boyle is a very hard-hitting, very brilliant, and now quite right-on uh, comedian, though he still uh, has his moments of sort of invective and vindictiveness, and he's brilliant, and he's very clever and very political, and he was then as well, but he was also, as I think we all were in the noughties, uh, both in the UK and America, we were sort of examining how far you could push certain issues um, and where you could get laughs and where it was appropriate and where it was inappropriate. And I think there was a feeling almost that with some of the racial stuff and maybe some of the disability stuff, we'd progressed far enough that we could start making jokes about that stuff again with a, with, in a postmodern ironic way. A lot of people were doing jokes about paedophilia and that sort of thing. Again, this is you know something that isn't funny, but that you can make funny jokes about, which is true of any subject. Including, he notes, disability. The potential's there for all of us. I'd, I'd do a joke about... I'd, I asked a disabled person at party how I should refer to myself as a non-disabled person because that seems like a double negative and abled seems wrong. And she said, we call you the not yet disabled, which I think is a, is a great joke, but also like a joke that has a lot of truth in it and it's one of those jokes that makes you go, oh, fuck, yeah, I mean, I, I almost certainly will be disabled at some point in my life. I think I can see why that isn't punching down. Like, Richard's telling the joke where, where he has become the object. But it's not punching up either, is it? No, it's not. I think Richard would totally agree with you. He said something interesting to me. He says, like, for him, his kind of humor is not punching up or down. Most of my jokes are punching inwards, which is I'm the victim of most of my own jokes. So and I, and I think that's the best kind of joke when, when you yourself are the victim of it, even unwittingly. That hasn't caught on punching inwards in the same way as punching up and down has. Nina, did Richard talk about why he thought the phrase punching downward had come into comedy just at that very moment in the 2010s? I asked him that exact question. He had a few different theories. One was that in the 2010s, at least in the UK, more and more diverse comics were coming onto the scene. You know, I think in the 90s, there might have been 10 female comedians, you know, and three or four successful female comedians uh, and, you know, hundreds of men. Uh, and by the 2000s and the, 20, the 2010s, it was certainly aiming in the direction where more women were, were becoming comedians and more disabled people were becoming comedians and more trans people were becoming comedians. And, and so I think there was a realisation that um, some of those jokes that we've been doing were not fitting in anymore to that world. The other thing that he attributes to the rise of the phrase is the rise of something else, Twitter, and how easy it was to take a joke out of context and tweet it out to the world. Yeah, you see that every day on Twitter, like someone makes a joke and if it's open to any kind of interpretation, boom, it's a mess. Totally. And what's interesting to note is that Twitter did go through 
this immense growth period during that time. So by February of 2010, according to a story from The Telegraph, Twitter users were sending 50 million tweets a day. And this is like a huge jump from years past where it would be like 50 million tweets a month. The Telegraph, by the way, was still calling it a microblogging site then, which I found <laughs> very quaint. <laughs> Also, the the interesting thing that both Ben Zimmer and Richard Herring pointed out to me was that Twitter had this power where it was exposing the inner workings of comedy in a way. So suddenly comics were having conversations that might normally happen, say, privately backstage, out in the open on the internet. And so jargony phrases like punching up and punching down were on Twitter for anyone to read and then for anyone to use and be part of that insiders group. Yeah, it's that's definitely part of the fun of Twitter. It's just reading tweets that, yeah, they do feel like backstage whispers. Totally. By the way, Richard is very quick to point out that he's been on every side of the Twitter storm. So just as he criticized Frankie Boyle's jokes back in 2010, he has been the subject himself of minor Twitter storms. And yes, there is material that he just doesn't do anymore. If anyone thought you know, my stuff about women was dodgy 15 years ago, which some people will do in a couple of jokes, and I go, well, you know, now I wouldn't do that and I don't think that and I, and I think that joke was wrong, you can't still be crossing me, right? Because I've, I've come to the same conclusion as you. <laughs> and I've learned and I've changed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can remember days in my childhood when weekend TV entertainment, it was all punching down race, gender, disability, you name it. I mean, we can condemn it and probably should condemn it, but that was then and this is now. Comedy was never meant to, and I don't think it's really meant to last that long. If it lasts more than 10 years, it's kind of quite exceptional, but it's, it's sort of meant to be in the moment and it's obviously going to reflect the society you're in. Nina, you know you said right at the start of this episode that using the words punching up and punching down has recently gone mainstream. Like, like it's definitely a thing now. But does the fact that we now have words to describe this thing that comedians do, like a super evocative metaphor that involves punching, I think that changes the conversation. It, it makes everybody more aware of what's going on. Even if punching up and punching down has been around forever, we've now got this shorthand. So it's in our minds. The problem with that is that it's always been in our minds and there's always been conversations about comedy and, and making fun of others. We've had phrases like making fun of someone or mocking. There's always been words to describe it. This is a new kind of evocative expression to like put on it. And it, I would say, Patrick, I think it's more interesting that it, it sort of rides along the expression highway with, with other new expressions like cancel culture and s sort of things like that. I think that there's something to that in this moment. It's like another kind of buzz term. It's kind of yet to be seen whether it has staying power, though. It's having a moment, but um, will it be around <laughs> in 10 more years? I did a quick check of major dictionaries, and actually I did not find punching up or punch down in any of the major American dictionaries. This is Ben Zimmer again. But two British dictionaries did have entries. So Collins has entries for punch down and punch up. And Macmillan has one for punch down, although no corresponding entry is there for punch up in the relevant sense. Huh. 
Could it have been a British comic expression first and then migrated over to the US later? Maybe. Again, hard to prove or disprove. I reached out to both dictionaries. Collins wasn't able to comment. But one of the editors at Macmillan said that the word was entered just very recently in 2019 or 2020. I was kind of surprised, actually. It's like, huh, Merriam-Webster, you haven't gotten to this one yet? Well, we really want to see that the word is actually established in the language, that it actually has taken hold, taken root. Emily Brewster is the senior editor at Merriam-Webster. So we're not trying to enter words as soon as they're, uh, you know, emerging from the mouths of fifth graders. That's not that's not the bar. We want to know that it's really established in the language and that it likely has some kind of staying power. So in truth, it's really when a word becomes, especially for non-specialized language, it's when the word becomes kind of like ho-hum, everybody already knows this word. <laughs> but we want to see a substantial amount of evidence of the word in a variety of sources from over a period of time. And those criteria are intentionally vague because sometimes a word like COVID-19 comes on the scene and we enter it in 34 days. You know, like that's that's the great exception. Wow, 34 days. Yeah. Isn't that kind of incredible? Emily told me that was the fastest word that had ever entered Merriam-Webster. And before that, the fastest entry took a year to enter the dictionary, and it actually was the word AIDS. But for a term like punch down, punch up, this particular use of punch, you know, it's it's more common is something like about 10 years of evidence and, you know, a, a wide variety of publications. So sure, it's, you know, it's being thrown around on Twitter, but it's also into the Washington Post and it's also on Vox and it's it's appearing in enough sources that most of the people who come across it understand what it means. Okay, so Richard Herring's blog post was in December 2010. That's close to 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. We're getting close to the the deadline, or maybe. I don't know. Perhaps it will be in the dictionary. However, truthfully, Richard told me, if he had it his way, punching up or punching down would never make it into the dictionary at all, because there'd be no need. I would prefer to live in the society where we all were equal and there was no punching up and punching down because everyone had a sort of decent whack at stuff. The phrase should almost become redundant. It's never gonna, but it should get closer to becoming redundant. Well, Nina, another great funny podcast episode. Thank you. You're very welcome, Patrick. You know who to call when you want some serious humor. Many thanks to Nina Porzuki. Thanks also to Ben Zimmer, Richard Herring, Emily Brewster, and to the Linguistic Society of America. Tina Toby is our sound designer. Alison Shaw manages our newsletter and social media. Subtitle is a member of the Hub and Spoke Audio Collective. We're a group of podcasters who tell stories about art, science, history, and of course, language. Another Hub and Spoke podcast is The Lonely Palette. In each episode, host Tamar Avishai takes you behind the scenes of one piece of art, whether it's American Gothic or a Rembrandt portrait or Yoko Ono's cut piece. Even if you think you know everything about these works, you'll come out knowing even more. For more on The Lonely Palette and all of the Hub and Spoke shows, go to hubspokeaudio.org. Okay, that's it for this episode. Remember, please, to rate and review Subtitle wherever you listen. 
We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. So, yeah, it's not about making bread. <laughs> not about kneading dough because you're frustrated. I'm punching up my bread. <laughs> Subtitle is made possible in part by a major grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Exploring the human endeavor. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective.